0: Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. We are here today with Member of Parliament, Kathy Wagenthal, and we're going to be talking about the sex-selective abortion bill that she's bringing before Parliament. So, Rod, why don't you give our special guest for today a, a, a proper introduction?
1: Well, uh, Kathy, we're so pleased to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um uh, Businesswoman and Administrator Kathy Wagendall was first elected in 2015 as a Member of Parliament for Yorkton, Melville, Saskatchewan for the Conservative Party of Canada, and she was re-elected, which is backed by popular demand, in 2019. In her parliamentary work, Kathy has been committed to standing up for the most vulnerable in society, working to defend and protect fundamental rights such as freedom of conscience, religion, belief and expression. She's a member of the Inter-Parliamentary Committee on Ending Human Trafficking in Canada, as well as a member of the Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus. In her first year as member of parliament, she tabled a private member's bill entitled Cassie and Molly's Law, which sought to protect mothers and their pre-born children. She recently introduced her second private member's bill, the Sex Selective Abortion Act, that's C-233, which would make it an offense for a medical practitioner to perform an abortion knowing that the abortion is sought solely on the grounds of the child's sex. Uh, Kathy is passionate about building community among believers and taking action for the persecuted church. In 2019, she became chair of Canada's National Prayer Breakfast. And that's a tremendous annual event. I've had the privilege of attending several times. And Kathy and her husband, Marty, have been married for 44 years. They have three married children and 10 grandchildren. Together they planted and pastored churches in Lloydminster, Ed, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, Kathy's dedicated to serving the Lord and the people of Canada. And we're grateful for, to have you with us today, Kathy. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Rodney. It's a great deal to be able to be here with you today. Thanks.
0: Well, I guess the question that so many will probably ask is how did you get involved in politics in the first place? What, what
2: Mm
0: -hmm. drove you in that direction.
2: Thanks, Peter. Actually, it started with a tiny little seed when I was in grade six, which happened to be Canada's centennial year. And at my school, we got a wonderful booklet about uh, Canada and government and how it all worked, as well as a gold edition of a Gideon New Testament Back then in the day, uh, New Testaments were handed out to schools when you were in grade six. So I got really passionate about my country and thought, wouldn't it be something to someday go to Ottawa and serve there? Well, that was many, many moons ago. Uh, I cut my teeth actually on politics in 2004 uh, when the two uh, Canadian Alliance and the Reform came together and just decided... It was time I had an opportunity to serve on a brand new board. And uh, my kids were grown and all off to university. So uh, I decided to take a crack at all of this then. And I am an experiential learner. So I just did every job that I could take on over time to learn the ins and outs of things. And ended up being asked by uh, Mike Lake, who won the nomination uh, after my being involved for a while, and asked me if I would like to be his campaign manager. And that's when I started to really realize for sure that, you know, if you want to in this country, you can let your name stand and you can work really hard and uh, possibly end up being a member of parliament. So I did run in Edmonton. And in that nomination race, I lost by four votes on the first ballot and the individual who won won by two votes on the second. So a very, very tight race. Uh, And uh, that's when I realized, wow, you know, every vote counts. I knew that, but I really experienced it. And then we moved home uh, when my dad got very ill. My husband felt we needed to leave ministry and come home and assist them. And believe it or not, that was a decade ago. And I did run again in 2015 uh, in Saskatchewan and had the privilege of becoming a member of parliament.
0: So when you became a member of Parliament, uh, one of the first things that you had the opportunity of doing was uh, introducing a private member's bill, correct?
2: Yes. Um, you know, I don't know if folks understand, but every time there's a new government, all of the names of the members of Parliament go into a hat, other than uh, ministers of parliament or secretaries, and your names are pulled. And in the order they're pulled, you have an opportunity to present a, a private member's bill during that sitting Now, if you're pulled number 150 to 200, 250, chances are you're never going to get to actually present. So there are people that have, you know, sat in this house for a very long time, even 10, 15 years, and never had this opportunity. And I had the opportunity as a brand new member being pulled number 11. And so I put forward Cassie and Molly's law.
1: Yeah. Do you want to describe that uh, bill a little bit? It's past sure. history now, but it was a great bill and uh, just let people know what that was about.
2: Sure. And, you know, it is past history in that it did not pass in the House, but it really opened up conversation around pregnant women and their pre-born children. It was a public safety bill in that if a woman was attacked by a third party who knew that she was pregnant and she was fully intending to carry that baby to term and that child was injured or killed, that it would provide a second offense in regards to the mother because uh, when Jeff lost Cassie, his partner, she was expecting Molly at seven months, totally viable baby and um, they weren't together anymore but they lived a block apart. They were excited about this little girl and she was brutally killed and of course, Molly's life was taken as well and that's when Jeff realized that there was no recognition in our criminal code for that child. And so that's when we created Cassie and Molly Matters, is this website. So we got together and I had an opportunity to push this issue because it, it's a gap in our criminal code that does not protect a woman's right to carry her child to church.
1: Yeah, well, much like uh, the bill that you're presenting now, which you're going to be speaking about in in a minute, uh, Bill C-233, this bill, it always surprises me that the whole house doesn't get behind it because this is uh, protecting a woman's uh, ch- right to choose to have a child, right? Uh, you know, Cassie Molly's law, this woman was planning to carry her child to birth. And so that dream was cut off, not only for her and her, her husband and, right. and the child. So, you know, uh, it's just the uh, the fact that it has involves uh, the killing of a pre-born that it seems mm-hmm. like the other, uh, so many parliamentarians are afraid to touch the subject. But thank you for not being afraid to touch it.
2: Oh, well, you know Rod. I have to say that in in that case, what it did is woke up Canadians across the country uh, again to the fact that this was happening. And I think the fact that there's social media now really let it spread more than it had in the past. And, you know, people were going, wait a minute. Uh, We even make an effort in a car crash to try and save that baby's life. But yet we're not recognizing its value. And every time a circumstance would come up like that, people would send me uh, tweets or or Facebook posts and say, did you see this? Did you know this? And it started to really open up a conversation for me, specifically actually around uh, the topic of my second bill. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And so I guess that uh, leads the conversation again to Um, 2019, another election and another opportunity for another private member's bill. Where where were you in the order? And and tell us about the bill, please.
2: Sure. I think I was number 35 originally. And then uh, the prime minister had not chosen all of his ministers and parliamentary secretaries yet. So it bumped me down to 31, which meant I wasn't in that first group of 30. But then I was in the second one. And they only deal with 15 at a time. And of course it goes through first reading, first hour of debate, second reading, second hour of debate, and then hopefully passes and goes to committee. And then from committee comes uh, back to the House to be voted on as to whether or not it would pass into legislation. So I had an opportunity again, and of course the House probed and all kinds of things have really slowed down uh, the effectiveness of this parliament. But it did stay, one thing about private members bills is they, uh, when Parliament is probed, they don't fall off the order papers. So fortunately it stayed on. And now uh, I have the opportunity to debate it in the House. Next Wednesday is my first hour of debate.
1: Well, we're really looking forward to that. We will be following that uh, very closely and, and kind of wondering uh, what kind of coverage you're getting from the national media on this bill. I mean, it's a tremendously important bill. And uh, I would hope that you would be getting, you know, the kind of exciting coverage from CBC and CTV that, uh, that you should be. Uh, what, what's been your experience?
2: Well, the interesting thing is when I decided to do this, it was because of what came out of passing Molly's Law. Uh, whenever I would do trade shows, and I uh, we have a fairly big one in Yorkton, and I would always carry three petitions with me. One is on firearms. One is on sex selection, abortion, which this bill is about, and the third one is on palliative care. And so people would come and talk to me about passing Molly's law, and they'd say, uh, "Well, you have this about sex selection. I, I want abortion to be available in Canada." And I, I would say, "Okay, well, that's." you know, your preference. So are you okay then with sex selection abortion? And they would just look at me like, what's wrong with you? Of course not. And I would say, well, you know, partial birth, late term. And they'd say, no, there's a, you can only have an abortion in Canada in the first trimester. And then of course I would educate them on the fact that Canada has absolutely no laws, no parameters. And it would honestly, even nurses, I can remember one scenario where they honestly felt nauseous when they realized that was the case, and they would sign this petition. And so I thought that was the direction I was going to go. And as I released it uh, on the order paper, the National Post printed uh, a poll that showed basically what they said is that Canadians are not polarized on this issue the way a lot of times uh, mainstream media and especially political parties want us to think we are polarized on and so that was a real door opener for me and at this point in time um, as far as exposure to the media i've been doing press releases and whatnot but i am having uh, an opportunity to interact with them uh, next week is the plan
1: very good very good well this uh, bill deserves certainly the support of uh Uh, every member of the House, and it Mm -hmm. it deserves, you know, the attention of the media. And like you say, the Canadian public uh, is largely unaware of, uh, you know, some of the, uh, well, there really isn't much law at all surrounding abortion, and I think most Canadians think that there is.
2: Well, and what what this poll showed was that the majority of Canadians want access to abortion, But then as it got into deeper issues around that, and the question was asked, do you agree with sex selection, abortion being available when the family wants a certain, the child to be a certain sex? And 84% of Canadians said, this should not be possible in Canada, That this should be illegal. And so that really gives me the credence to be able to say, I'm not trying to push this issue, it's Canadians that are already saying this is something important to them. And as legislators, it's our responsibility to have these conversations and to represent them in the House. So that's the plan.
0: And in terms of the House, have you been receiving any sort of re- support, any sort of uh, feedback from the other from the parties or even from the governing, uh, governing party at this time?
2: Um, The majority of the response has been through the petitions, the paper petitions that we've been presenting in the House. And I can't stress enough how important it is to do these things as Canadians, because it makes a difference. So my, my petition is in the paper form, and every time you have 25 signatures, you can stand up in the House and present that petition. So, of course, when I first began in Parliament, I thought the more names you presented at once, the better. But of course, it's better to split it out. And then many of my colleagues have been able to stand up in the House as well and present that petition to the House. And um, then basically, uh, every time it's presented, the Minister of Justice has to respond because it's in regards to protecting um, baby girls from sex selection abortion. And I would just like to read to you what the Minister of Justice, David Lumetti, wrote in response to that petition. And I'm gonna read it just so I quote him correctly. Yep. The government of Canada condemns all practices that are motivated by discriminatory views of women and girls, including sex selective practices. Well, wow. wow. So that's his response. And that's appropriate because of course, our government and as Canadians, we value human rights and equality between men and women. And so obviously when you have a case where baby girls are being targeted, then that is not equality at the earliest stages of life. And so uh, in Canada, a lot of people don't realize that we do already have one law in regards to sex selection. And that is in regards to in vitro fertilization where you are not allowed, it is illegal to choose that embryo based on the genetic sex of the embryo. And of course, science has come so far from when abortion became an issue in the beginning, where we know that we can determine the sex of that baby, the genetic sex at the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was his response. He did go on to say um, in Canada, the administration and funding of healthcare services is a provincial responsibility that falls under the purview of the provincial governments. As is the case for other medical procedures, the delivery of abortion services is determined by the policies of the provincial governments and the standards set by the medical profession itself. So this sounds very much like we're going to just punt this down to the provinces and not have to deal with it. However, This government has made a point of dealing with a lot of issues that are provincially related. Everything from medical suicide and conversion therapy and giving directives on those health issues. So we won't take that as an excuse. And actually the Canadian Medical Association, on the basis of two studies that it had done and reported in the medical journal, Uh, have indicated that this is a growing problem in Canada. So right there, there's a response from the Medical Association and the executive of the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada have uh, made a statement that medical technologies for the purpose of gender identification in pregnancy should not be used for societal preferences and that they do not support termination of pregnancy on the basis of gender. So clearly... You know, our medical systems are saying, they do not agree with this, but it's not their job to create laws, right? Right. And so obviously the provinces have a role to play, but our federal government needs to do its job. And the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario, British Columbia, and, and Saskatchewan have all echoed the views of the obstetricians and gynecologists of Canada. So we have a premise here on the basis of the majority of Canadians, and our medical uh, medical associations to do this as a federal government, and to make it illegal for sex selections, abortions to take place.
0: In so, in the meantime, we we're, we're listening to this, and it's so great to hear you um, talk about this support. And um, just for the sake of our our listeners and viewers, it will be debated um, on April. <laughs> 14th, and so um, what's the hope after that, and what should we be trying to do before that?
2: Okay, so that's the first hour of debate. We get two hours of debate, but they're, they're spread out based on 15 different bills coming forward at the same time. So I'm still very hopeful that it will come up for a second reading before a federal election. Uh, that is the kind of up-in-the-air moment that we're in right now. But certainly, I do hope to have that second hour of debate and then send it to committee uh, to be studied. So there are many things that Canadians can continue to do. If you go to my website, which is kathywagenthal.ca, and my name is C-A-T-H-A-Y, so there's an extra A in there, and then wagenthal is all A's, .ca. So kathywagenthal.ca. A lot of um, information about the bill, Uh, news releases, uh, the polls that have been done, it's all there for you to use to talk with people about the importance of letting your members of parliament know that you want them to support the bill when it comes up again. Now, if it doesn't come up again before the election, then people are even more aware of how important it is that they elect a government that will allow this kind of conversation to take place. And right now, the Conservative Party of Canada is the only party that would allow me to run a nomination and allow me to bring this bill forward. So that's important to note. And I know that the other parties are starting to really feel the pressure of the fact that the majority of Canadians want this and that it flies in the face of supposed feminism and valuing men and women, boys and girls equally. So please, you can sign the petition. There's a paper copy on my website. And then there's also the address for the electronic petition. And that's different in that you try to get as many signatures as possible to show the weight of the importance across the country. And you can sign a paper one as well as the uh, electronic one The electronic one does not keep your personal information. So it is stored safely within the House of Commons. And then once it is presented in the house, all of that information is destroyed. So uh, that is uh, something that people need to know. They sometimes are apprehensive about doing that type of thing, but it is very well um, uh, organized. And it's very clear that it does not go past that particular petition. But that one, Uh, Sorry, Rod, I'll just mention the the electronic one, E-3161, is only available until April 9th. So uh, if you haven't signed it by the end of April 9th, you will not be able to do that. So I just encourage people to continue uh, to do that. We're close to 8,000 signatures right now.
1: Yeah, very good. Now, that's what I was just going to bring up is the date that people have to get get with it. If you haven't signed it already, all of our audience, uh, please... Uh, Go to kathywagenthal.ca and uh, get on this electronic uh, petition and and sign it. Uh, Your voice, your vote, and your uh, signature make a difference.
2: If you just Google um, e-petitions, House of Commons, it will bring them all up and you can see mine there
1: as well. Very good. Very good. And of course, I I just wanted to make one, uh, of course, uh, when you said that the Conservative Party is the only one that would allow you to run, you mean of the parties currently represented in the House?
2: In (laughs) In the House of Commons. That's correct. That's correct. Because the
1: Christian Heritage Party, of course, would be happy to have people like you running. And uh, you're a fantastic member of Parliament. We're so grateful Mm -hmm. that you are serving your constituents uh, and the pre-born constituents of across this great nation. And uh, we are so uh, supportive of what you're doing. We we really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, You are making a difference and you're setting an example for others who also will make a difference in the future. So thank you, Kathy. Thank
2: you, Rod and Peter, appreciate it.
0: And if you... Yes. I, if you had any time left, I'd want you to talk about the the issue of of trafficking, which I you know just learned that you're part of that committee. But uh, I know our time is uh, running short.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of motion, movement on that particular file, and thanks a lot to Arnold Beerson and his office. Yeah. Um, but we are pushing it more in the House, and and uh, you know, there's it's it's just frightening, and this is something that as a society we have got to get a handle on and of course um, the availability of these types of services online is just absolutely frightening and so i'm really pleased that the government really is feeling pressured mm-hmm. to do something far more significant in regards to
1: yeah well thank you again and thank you you've been very generous with your time uh, we so much appreciate it and god bless you and yours as you carry on with this important work
2: you as well. Thank you so much. So again,
1: much. in closing,
0: go to Kathy Wagenthal. Yes, Sorry. Sorry, we're talking over each other, but uh, Kathy Ca. Thank you again, Kathy. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week for another edition of CHP Talks.